You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to Marketing News Canada. I'm so excited you're here this week. We have author, speaker, thought leader, Mitch Joel from Quebec. And again, of course, one of the original uh, search folks uh, when it comes to uh, internet things on the interwebs. Uh, It's such an honor to have him on the show this week. Uh, So without further ado, Mitch Joel, thank you for being here. Happy to be here. We're going coast to coast today because I'm in Montreal and you are outside of Vancouver, BC. Yes, yes. And and speaking of Montreal, uh, hometown of Davis Tea, which is my favorite tea to drink. Well, in fact, David Siegel is one of my close friends. The founder of the company is a good buddy of mine who is no wow. longer involved in David's Tea. Now he lives okay. in Ottawa and he's got a great new brand called Mad Radish where he's trying okay. to build out a bunch of um, sort of quick and healthy restaurants for salads and stuff like that. So he's uh, he's been dealing with COVID and all that in terms of yeah. how do you adjust and he's started doing a pizza brand and but uh, David is a super brilliant young guy who uh, nice. super successful with David's tea. It's a great story. It's very cool. Yeah, their their Buddha's blend is my go to. Are there? We love that one helper. too. Yeah, we love yeah. we love both of those two in this house. So so good. Yeah, there's one they discontinued, which I'm really sad about. Which was um, it was like an Earl Grey meets green tea. It was like the Empress of Seville. I know and, that one. And yeah. When when they, I, I was sad, and so I I don't know what happens to those discontinued recipes, or maybe if I go to Montreal, I can find some kind of historic teas. There was probably a, sh- a shortage on blends that didn't allow them to do it. But uh, I remember that one. And um, it, the store has been, there's, there's not many left. I don't think there's any left. I'm not sure. But they used to do a, a sort of like a tea latte. And so I would do like an apple cinnamon latte. Yep. So good. Nice. So That's good. awesome. That's great. And for people that don't know, uh, Montreal is also the home to Circus Soleil and C2, the big conference. Absolutely. And, and the hometown of Celine Dion, where she was. Yeah, I mean, she moved here. She was not from Montreal. Oh, okay, she was from okay. somewhere in Quebec. Um, okay. But yeah, Montreal was her hub for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. So um, those that haven't picked up your books yet, tell me about the two books that are out there right now and kind of the difference between the two and what people can expect from those books. Well, I'd rather race to Celine Dion and talk about Leonard Cohn or Arcade Fire, yes. but yes. we're going to let it, I'm going to give you a pass, Darian, because you're Canadian. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much. So yeah, my first book is called Six Pixels of Separation, which is named after my blog and podcast that I've been doing since the early 2000s. I released that book over 10 years ago. And then Control-Alt-Delete came out about three years after that, closing on probably close to two years. And it's available everywhere. I signed a deal out of New York with Grand Central Hachette, which is one of the largest book publishers in the world. So you can find it anywhere you find it. You might be surprised by some of the content in the sense that a lot of the stuff that we use a lot of today didn't exist back then. And I think you might be surprised by the general conversation of what I wrote is still surprisingly relevant and true to this day with the exception of things like the social dilemma, the Netflix documentary and and the growth of big tech, which I think I foresaw. I just don't think I foresaw it in a negative way, which I probably should have. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, um, the evergreen content that's in those books are are, are great and, and priceless, I think, for people to see. And I think it's almost important to read some of the stuff on early days and, and see the relevancy still today. Well, when you're writing a book, there's two paths. You're either writing a book that is of the time or you're writing a book that's more perennial. So when you mm-hmm. think about uh, you know Persuasion by Robert Cialdini, that's a mm-hmm. perennial book. You can pick it up at any point in time if you want to understand the yeah. basis of what persuasion looks like and how it works. Yeah. My books were more of the time for sure. 
but I'm just happy that because of the work that I do, it keeps them both out there in the ether. People mm -hmm. don't recognize that it's that old because to them, they're just finding out about it. Um, yeah. But but I always put in that caveat because I don't want people to rush out thinking we're here because I just launched a new book. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, people that know you as uh, author speaker, tell us about your day job. What what does it look like these days for for you in your role, kind of like the nine to five, Monday to Friday, if that even still exists? Yeah. Well, I mean, in two thousand ish, uh, I with three other partners launched a digital marketing agency called Twist Image that we built to be one of the largest independent agencies in North America. We sold that about six years ago to WPP. And then okay. that agency, which culminated in taking it and bringing together a bunch of other agencies they had acquired, we all rebranded as this agency called Miram, which still mm -hmm. exists to this day in about 30 countries. Okay. So it became a very yeah. large entity. I left about two years ago. And okay. one of my business partners and I basically set up a small shop to do investing, advising, thinking about you know, what, what's next in terms of the actual world and then what's yeah. next and potentially doing a startup. But really my time has been spent primarily doing 40 to 60 keynote speeches every year, B2B, B2C, small, medium, large. It could be a corporate event, an association event, a customer summit. Um, I still do the podcast every single week. It's still published every Sunday. It's probably the longest running. It is the longest running mm -hmm. business podcast in the world. Yeah. I do a lot of radio hits uh, nationally, and then it goes out internationally yeah. with iHeartRadio. And, you know, my day is is not really ever normal. So even before COVID, it's not like I had that weird type of schedule. I'd be there, either be in the office working or I'd be on the road somewhere speaking. And, um, yeah, I kind of set up a world where I don't have to worry too much about that 9 to 5-ish. So that's where I'm yeah. at. And and speaking now uh, and, and events, what are your thoughts on what that's going to look like this upcoming year? Well, we're going to see. Right now, it's fully virtual or canceled. And I've yeah. spent a good chunk of this year aggregating a lot of the technology that I had. I've been doing digital communications for you know, close to, if not over 20 years. Yeah. So when everything got canceled, you know, mid-March is, I wasn't one of those speakers who uh, ran out and got a green screen and downloaded Ecamm and thought that I had reinvented the wheel. Yeah. I, I had experience doing stuff like this, uh, but the truth is in the past two years, this technology has really evolved with thanks to YouTubers and streamers. Mm. Companies, both hardware and software, have been developing a myriad of technologies to help streamers and YouTubers broadcast better. Mm -hmm. And for those who were fast on the trigger, like I was, mm -hmm. I was able to change some of the stuff and update it and upgrade it. And then, you know, being able to communicate through a webcam, through mm -hmm. software is very different than standing on stage. And I didn't yeah. want my presentation to be like the, the early days of TV, which is essentially people standing there and reading radio, which is yeah. what the early days of TV was. And for a lot of presenters, it, it still is that. They hop onto a Zoom and they share a screen and it's their slides and then like a little, yeah. you know, stamp size picture of them. Yeah. I've been spending my year creating a, a bit of a different experience for people mm -hmm. who want to book me to do virtual keynotes or zoom meetings and stuff like that next year. You know, we don't know yet. It's, it's a very strange thing to sit in a business that you're a part of, which is a multi-trillion dollar industry that of you know, yeah. business tourism, essentially. Yeah. And have no idea, you know, when this is going to come through, we're recording this in December, 
I don't know when it's going to be broadcast, but we're starting to see the early days of a vaccine. How long until we all get it? How long until borders open up? How long until businesses are comfortable having their teams congregate? And even that, there's there's two paths that we're looking at. You know, one path is CFOs and CEOs will look at it and go, we figured out all this Zoom stuff over this past year plus. Why spend the money on hotels and flights and bringing people together? Let's just do it virtually. That's one path. But the other path that I think is more likely is they might say, look, maybe we live in a world where 20 to 30% of our work stuff is now more remote. Maybe not fully remote, but more remote. Yeah. We need this every year to get our team together. We need to get our customers together every year. Yeah. That there is a bit of pent-up demand. People want to, we've, we've got the vaccine, let's, let's go crazy a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, F. Scott Fitzgerald has that famous quote about holding two objects in your mind at the same time and being able to work with those two opposing thoughts. And that's kind of what it feels like for me with that almost yeah. everything in, in, in the speaking business. I have a lot of gigs booked for next year. I don't know if they're going to be virtual or physical. I'll see as the months progress and as yeah. government and people's comfort widens, hopefully, and opens up. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that element of you know, running into you at the hotel bar, you know, after your keynote or, or you know, the next day and to process with you, right? Like, and, and those kind of like serendipitous moments, um, connecting with other people at the conference or, or when you probably connect with other speakers and you can swap ideas, the, you know, the stimulus and the catalyst that that is for so many ideas is I think so important. We're, gonna, we're missing yeah, we, that. We think that this is great and it is great, but there's Efficient. a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of cracks in the armor. When yeah. it comes to this technology, if you think about a new employee or as you're growing your team, how do mm-hmm. they feel a part of this? How do you really build a corporate culture if yeah. everybody is sitting here and ultimately I might look good, but I'm in socks yeah. and right behind that door, even though I'm focused on this, it could be kids, it could be cats and dogs, it could be yeah. all the other things I didn't get to in my household that day. Yeah. And people don't really understand what happens when you're in a work environment. When you're yeah. hearing not your own challenges in your own meeting, but other people's challenges, how you feel a part of it, mm-hmm. what happens when you're walking in and out of the office building, what happens when you're yeah. going for lunch. So yeah. there is that. And I mean, the, the social aspect is a very big part of how we grow. If, yeah. if, if one of my kids was heading into college or university this year, I don't know that I wouldn't want them to take a gap year. Because mm-hmm. that first year of relationships that you make with one another and working together, you know, what percentage of that experience is the transfer of knowledge from the professor to the student in the grand scheme of what, you know, college university offers a young yeah. person. So yeah. I, I think a lot about those things and I mean, I miss them. I miss having the coffee meetings in the morning and the lunch meetings. I miss flying into a city and having a fellow speaker meet me for drinks in the lobby for coffee, hanging out side stage, backstage, being able to interact. I mean, when I'm done, I hit leave meeting, you know, I'm done. Are you a waiver? Do you do the wave first or are you just a leave meeting guy? I like waving. I like throwing a heavy metal sign. Maybe. I I don't know. I don't know what I like doing. I like, I don't know. I experiment. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Good. That's amazing. So with all this, like I, the stuff you've been seeing, the stuff you've been watching, and I feel like of any kind of Canadian in marketing, you've had a finger on the pulse longer than anyone. Uh, what was it like come like March, April, watching uh, two things? I'd say, you know, we had, of course, Tiger King on Netflix, but then the other one of TikTok. What was it like watching TikTok? And where do you think is 
going to be happening next for that? And, and will it stay or will it be another vine that came and went? I mean, again, somebody who in 93 was writing about the great innovation of hyperlinks on the internet and spent time building out, you know, what are now the modern search advertising models before Google existed. Mama, right? Was it yeah. Mama's help? Or yeah, mama.com, yeah. Yeah, Mama. Okay, tell, tell us about Mama, for those that don't know, because that's such a fascinating backstory. So I was in journalism for a long time, music journalism, publishing magazines, and I was brought in to edit a local Montreal magazine to, that focused on entrepreneurs. And one of the people that I'd spoken to was relate was business development person at this very emerging technology called search and it was called mama.com the mother of all search engines and it was a meta search engine because at the time yeah. the results we were seeing in places like aol alta vista yeah. yahoo were yeah. good search results considering where the web was at we're talking yeah. pro, you know 95 96 ish mm -hmm. but uh, they weren't great and this young person out of McGill University figured out an algorithm of how to combine all of these search engines feeds and create this meta search result, a better result, which wow. you might've seen with things like, I think there's Dogpile and yeah. either like us or Altavista. One of them was also a meta search engine. Um, it, and there was Ask Jeeves back in the day too, right? Well, Remember Ask Jeeves wasn't, yeah, it was a meta search engine actually. You're right. Yeah. Ask okay. Jeeves came a little bit after that as well. Okay. Yeah, but we were experimenting with advertisers. What does mm. sponsorship look like? What does advertising look like? We would do. We would know which search words weren't resulting in a good search result. We would okay. offer to sell that top search result to someone that we knew had a better search result. Yeah, we started. I mean, remember physically hard coding into the actual code of the search engine. If somebody looks for cancer, this is the site we want to refer them to. The link we want to refer them to. Wow, and. You know, when Sergey and Larry from Google talk about the early days of search and how they were having yeah. phone calls with other search engines, I was yeah. on one of that. I was on one of those few calls of, so of what cool. we were doing, both in terms of advertising. They were more interested in what we were doing from a tech standpoint because our CTO and our tech team was really smart. We were running no information off of hard drives at the time. We were running it off the pure RAM of so wow. we were building servers just with RAM, the very very hot heated problems to store and all that stuff yeah but it was very evolutionary at the time mm -hmm. to to not have a hard disk drive spinning for a search result off of a server which sounds absurd now yeah. um so i spent so back to the TikTok question i spent a lot of time yeah. seeing everything whether it was yeah. e-commerce whether it's mobile yeah. whether it's platforms like twitter or facebook or youtube yeah and my reaction is always the same which is interesting we'll see Hmm. That's interesting. We'll see. Yeah. Do I think TikTok's going to go away? It could. Do I think it's going to stay forever? It, it could. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm still more engaged with the idea of, so what does it mean to me and or what does it mean to the people I'm speaking to or the clients that I'm speaking to? Yeah. I'm somebody yeah. who knows my purpose yeah. and, and I know that I'm best when I'm writing long form content and or doing long form audio and occasionally now we have to do video. Yeah. So, if you're a brand and you're not interested in reaching that type of audience, yeah. if you're not comfortable shooting videos in that way with that type of graphic and feel and vibe, mm -hmm. is it a place you want to play? Do you need a land grab there? I don't think the answer is always yes or no. So how do I feel about it? I think all of this stuff is great. You know, North America is a bit more challenged with TikTok because of their ownership. 
and how yeah. that's going to roll out. Canada is saying they're they're not uh, as adamant as the U.S. is of selling off this U.S. or North American or English version of it. We're going to see how this all plays out. But there are people who build real businesses in North America on TikTok as influencers yeah. and creators. And it's going to be a challenging couple of weeks to see how this goes or months. Yeah, yeah. Funny enough, I found of a crib board creator. Uh, that that makes it out of wood and then resin in Gibson's, British Columbia, oh, cool. and 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 it was beautiful. And I discovered it through TikTok. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. I, I yeah. will honestly admit that my Instagram feed, in terms of stuff I want, mm-hmm. tends to be better than other platforms that I'm on. Yeah. yeah, and I I think that if TikTok were doing it well, that's exactly what you would want is a better. Yeah way to create intent by understanding your usage and your views and stuff like that for sure um just to switch topics here speaking of you know mama was this was all out of quebec so many amazing things out of quebec um dash this which is a dashboard tool we use cyber impact kind of like a canadian mailchimp e-newsletter tool all in quebec uh, why quebec what, what has kind of made it to be this really nurturing tech environment well there's a lot you know breather came out of here as well many yeah. You know, many successful video game companies, Ubisoft. Um, yeah. Quebec is an interesting place in North America because of French. Mm-hmm. French is the dominant language here. We are considered bilingual, but truly mm-hmm. it's more of a Francophone province. And when you're running a province like that, you have no infrastructure. You need your own media. You need your own everything. And so it's very unique to come to North America and visit Quebec and see an entire infrastructure from magazines and newspapers and TV shows and movies. And that culture of creating led to early investments in technology. Mm-hmm. It led to advancements on a couple of areas, namely video gaming, which then brought people and got people here excited about the ancillary businesses, training people, getting people exposed to Ubisoft, having a huge role in that. Again, you mentioned artists, so you have things like Celine Dion, Leonard Cohen, Cirque du Soleil. There's a certain creative element. Yeah. So if you think about technology, creativity, and entirely self-contained media conglomerates, yeah. you can see why you're seeing a lot of creators come out of here. And now that next wave is happening with things like artificial intelligence and AI and next generation technology. The government of Quebec has been very effective in, in investing in a lot of companies. You know, Lightspeed is, is here as well, which is a, a massive unicorn. Uh, we have ties to Shopify. One of the founders, Harley Finkelson, was originally from Montreal. Now they're, you know, they're Ottawa-based, but they have a, a quite a big foothold here as well. So a, a lot of it makes sense when you're here and you realize, well, of course, they had to build their own companies here. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, whether you love it or not, but Pornhub is also based out of Quebec and started in Quebec. Which is getting a lot of attention. I mean, it's true. A lot of the gaming as well, which has its own side of legality, was created out of here or was housed here. Uh, Connections to the native lands, the reserves, where a lot of the stuff that was considered not legal was able to sit on on native soil. Um, It's it's part of the world that I I get. I don't necessarily think we should be proud of that, especially with the issues that that they're going through lately with abuse and children and stuff like that i hope they clean up their act does mm-hmm. that sound right for what we're talking about yeah yeah um, yeah and, and we'll see what they do but again a lot of talent reasonable price of living fun place to be very multicultural yeah, yeah. it's it's an attractive yeah. place to be 
Yeah. Whenever I, I go to Montreal, I have what's called the Trinity of Montreal. And it's it's a Montreal smoked beef sandwich, yeah, Schwartz's, uh, yeah. a, a poutine okay. and, and, a, and a fresh bagel. Like, oh, like yeah, right sure. out of the oven. Yeah, that's my and, – and then if – Unibrew, back when it was – you could only really get it in Quebec, and, and I think it's now everywhere. But it was yeah. – the, the Fin de Monde was my, my favorite. Fin de Monde, yeah. 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 yeah, and they've been doing a lot of great stuff. That brand, Unibrew, is, has really expanded. You can probably get it anywhere. You buy your yeah. alcohol. They've been doing great sponsorships. I think this summer, last summer, they did one with Megadeth. Okay, and they, that's great. Yeah, they had a, I think it was called that Toulamond or Fandom. Yes, yeah. They did another one with, they did a Megadeth beer that uh, people seem wow. to like. I, I'm really not good at this stuff because I don't drink or gamble. So I'm probably like the wrong guy to ask about yeah, this. Yeah, no, it's okay. But the, the artistry on the bottles alone was beautiful. These nice beautiful. oil paintings and yeah. yeah. Great, yeah. great, great art and culture scene in this city. There's no doubt about it. No, it's, it's, it's really, really special. So, so for you, as far as kind of like, your advice and, and trends that, you know, brands should be watching, you know, CMOs, marketing directors, what's your biggest advice to folks today that you kind of want to pass on? It might've been really different had we had this conversation in January or February yeah. pre COVID. Yeah. And it's funny. I just did a piece for the content marketing Institute around trends for marketers. Yeah. And I'll, I'll expand on my trend, which was watch the streamers. Hmm. We touched on it earlier. Yeah. But this culture of creators, YouTube, yeah. streamers, they're doing things that are absolutely incredible. Just think about for a second, what does a streamer do? A streamer mostly plays video games for other people to watch. And would you say Twitch as well then? Kind of YouTube, Twitch is Twitch. a great example of it. Twitch was yeah. acquired by Amazon. And that was a great deal. They acquired it for a bit under a billion dollars. And people heard wow. it you know, several years ago. Like, Why is Amazon buying a company that all they really do is help people watch people play video games. Wow. And here we are in the world of streamers. And yeah, YouTube's trying to get really aggressive into that live space as well. Um, these, these streamers are really interesting to me. Playing a video game requires a lot of focus. I'm not a gamer, but just watching it can make my head spin in terms of the level yeah. of complexity. Yeah. They're sitting there, not just playing, but communicating through these headsets. Yeah. And at the same time, they're recording and sharing and yeah. engaging with the people who are watching them. Yeah. And they're not doing this for 20 minutes or five minutes. They're sometimes doing it for hours. And they're sometimes doing it for hours every single day. Mm -hmm. And if you parlay that against 24-hour news network mm -hmm. and how they constantly try to grab you in through breaking news, breaking news, breaking news... What you see with the streamers and YouTubers is their ability to be extremely compelling hmm. frequently over a long period of time. And if you said to a brand, what's the main thing you'd like to do? My guess is they would like to be relevant to their customers yeah. over as much period of the day as they can over a long period of time. Yes. And so I'm not saying you need to sponsor streamers. I'm not saying yeah. you need to be in multiplayer video game twitching rooms. But if you look at how they build audience, if you look at how they build brands and how they've done it at an accelerated pace, yeah. an ongoing pace and an engaged pace and how they actually handle their technology, mm -hmm. one, one usually one person, maybe someone helping them if they've become very successful. I think That's the awesome. lessons of, of, a great, of great marketing can come primarily out of that, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really fascinating. Um, and as far as the um, brands, like what are some, maybe some brands that you're watching that are like, man, check out what this brand is doing or check out what this company is doing because uh, you see that they're on the right track. 
Well, again, looking at, at the world that I've, I've been a part of for this year, yeah. it was experiencing new and different companies. And two that caught my attention that I've become very loyal customer of, one of them is Elgato. Elgato does uh, this device called the Stream Deck, which I can show you maybe really quickly. You can see it yeah. here, which basically allows me to sort of switch scenes and zoom in and out and, and have stuff there. So when I'm streaming when i'm actually doing yeah. my virtual keynote yeah. i can switch yeah. my slides here i can switch camera angles amazing now again this was a company that took what is traditionally a fifteen thousand dollar in studio television yeah. device broke it down into a couple hundred bucks made it Whoa. plastic and made it accessible to streamers so they could have the same type of technology that was primarily institutional commercialized yeah. for yes. individual use uh, they didn't stop there they've built out lights They've built wow. out applications like the Epoch Cam, which enables yeah. me to turn my iPhone into a webcam or another virtual cam. That's and, incredible. And, and if you look at the brand prior to COVID, you would have seen yeah. that it's for streamers and gamers and creators. Yeah. Yeah. When they started seeing, you know, middle-aged white people like me buying yeah. it, yeah, they repositioned their brand to look more like online communications than just for the streamers and gamers. They adjusted the brand and graphics. And I felt like their shift to accept and create this other area while at the mm -hmm. same time keeping their streamers and that whole market of gamers engaged was just brilliant brand play. And the quality wow. of what they're doing across the board, how they engage with their customers, how connected they are is, has been incredible. That's awesome. And then the second brand would be Rode. Rode is the, the company that makes this mic here called the Pod Mic. Oh. This Pod Mic goes into something called the Rodecaster Pro. Okay. Uh, this Rodecaster Pro device is incredible. It's a it's a portable podcasting studio, but yeah. it's so much more than that. I can Bluetooth my phone into it. I could record multi-channel. And again, it's a company that was <clears throat> sorry traditionally making mics like this. And I have another mic here. I have their I have yeah. one of their shotgun mics over here. You can oh, see. Nice. Which, I'm yeah. not using it now. If I put it back, it's going to probably hit mute. So I'll do that. Um, but the, the fact that they went, and that's in the way. Look at this. I'm a mess here. Okay, we'll figure this out. And I um, recognize that logo. I've seen that yeah, logo for on sure. mics before. Which yeah. is what you know people who are shooting movies would use. Yeah. But now yeah. they've opened up to this online uh, virtual communications world. The difference mm -hmm. in this brand is it's really high quality. It is not mm -hmm. cheap. I mean, yep. some of the newer stuff is going more into into the price range that's accessible. Yeah. But high quality Australian-based company, yep. really engaged, super engaged online. Lots of user groups, lots of communication, lots of great content marketing. Mm -hmm. So those are two that come to mind because they're companies that were dealing with a tremendous amount of back order and yep. a tremendous amount of pressure in terms of getting products to audiences, whether it was digitally, e-commerce-based, or or physically. Yep. And not only manage to pull it off, but really have products that in and of themselves exemplify that, that sort of you know, mountaintop that is Apple. You know, beautiful products, really good quality, but reasonably priced or, or more expensive price, but that just work really well. Mm -hmm. And That's so it gives awesome. you hope for technology because you start seeing that it's not just an Apple or Microsoft world. There are other yeah. companies doing really interesting things on the hardware and software side. That's really cool. That's really cool. So Mitch, as someone who produces content and, and you get, you know, people tweet about it, they share it and they're like, man, I just read this or I was inspired by this. Where do you go for inspiration and ideas and kind of like to be encouraged or to kind of get your finger on the pulse of what's happening next? 
Again, it's a really different answer than it would have been at a previous yeah. moment in time. A previous moment in time, it's conversations like this. It's yeah. the fact that yeah. I can meet people and hear things. I have my notebook and I take down ideas. I feel like Columbo or a journalist where I'm just writing mm -hmm. things down. Yeah. On top of what I had normally, which was just a good infrastructure around information. Yeah. I still like my Google alerts. I really yeah. love newsletters for information. Yeah. I'm an infovore. I'm just constantly reading books yeah. books are a huge part of me thinking differently about the stuff yeah. that's out in the world yeah i use the pocket app that allows yeah. me to save and tag and be able yeah. to look at things in a different way yeah and that hasn't changed all that much yeah. in, in in the decades it, maybe it's gotten easier maybe it's gotten faster but that's primarily how it is it's it's disappointing that i'm not able to have those physical social protein based conversations. Yeah. So I don't feel as up and on it as I normally would because yeah. I feel like, you know, two thirds of my infovore consumption has been taken away and replaced with zoom yes. and, and, and replaced with whatever it is. And the truth is I also learn a lot by just having my own podcast. I mean, having yeah. conversations with great and interesting people yeah. creates a whole bunch of new notes for me. Mm -hmm whole bunch of new ways to think ideas hmm. i'm just constantly thinking and consuming and thinking and consuming and creating content is also a great way to learn about content because yeah. you're reading you're learning and when you're creating yeah. you're almost teaching mm -hmm. it's a bit of a different yeah. experience but you learn when you teach yeah well, that, that makes so much sense um Speaking of books, what are maybe three books that every marketer should have kind of in their bookshelf or have read or, or should be reading right now? I don't know if they're going to be prescient in terms of immediate books, Yeah, but there's no doubt that Tom Peters' book, Reimagine, okay. changed yeah. a lot for me. I mean, I don't even know if you can find it. You're probably not going to find it used. It's a big book. It's a very visual yeah. book. Okay. But that was a book that really changed the way I think. Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art, yeah. played a huge impact in terms of how I think about creating content and seeing yeah. the world. Hmm. And you can throw a dart against the wall and hit anything by Seth Godin. I would yeah. pretty much give it a double thumbs up. He's, yeah. for me, someone who I've admired and aspired and been lucky enough to connect with many times. His new book, The Practice, is phenomenal. Oh. Yeah. Lynchpin is phenomenal. Purple Cow is phenomenal. One of his earlier books, Survival is Not Enough, is phenomenal. Um, it's awesome. very rare that I don't read something from Seth. Uh, and, and I'm not disappointed. Yeah. Every, everything he does, I'm just like, that's, that's great. So if you're in marketing and you're not following him, you yes. can just start there. I mean, you're, yeah. you're good. You're good for many years, yeah. That's great. And, and lastly, newsletter. What's maybe one or two newsletters that you're saying, man, make sure you subscribe to these. You you love them. They're yeah. the best. Yeah, I, it's so the other name that was coming to my mind in terms of a yeah. newer book would have been Rashad Tabakawala, who was formerly Publicis's main business lead okay. with all the acquisitions of Epsilon and Razor yeah. Fishes and all that over the years. And he has a great book out that came out very, very recently. His writing is great. And he's writing okay. every week on Substack, nice. which is another great place to find a lot of great information. So Rashad okay. Tabakawala... Anne Handley has okay. one of the best newsletters out there on creating Thanks. content and writing. I love yeah. everything Anne does. 
Um, what's the third one that I really enjoy? I mean, I subscribe to a lot of them. I'm trying to think of which ones I just can't wait to read when I get them. Mm -hmm. Centers is another one. It's a local okay. person who does this, Patrick. It's S-E-N-T-I-E-R-S. Okay. Very in-depth, big brainy type of mm -hmm. perspective on, on tech and where the world's at. Those would be three for me. So Rishat Bakawala, Anne Handley, and Centers, S-E-N-T-I-E-R-S. Patrick Tongay. It's amazing. We'll make sure we put all of the links uh, in the show notes and links to your two books as well. Thanks. If people haven't picked those up yet, they, cool. they really should. Um, Mitch, this is this is a joy, a privilege, and an honor to have you on the show. I've been following you for a long time, so thank you so much for making time today. It's very kind of you. Thank you, and I'm happy to do it. It was great talking to you as well. Thank you. And 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 on a second, how is your French, by the way? How do you do? You, come see, come see. Yeah, come see, come see. Okay. Yeah, I mean, look, I grew up here, and I, yeah, I can yeah. say the line that I tell friends is, I consider myself bilingual, but everyone yes. here would consider me an anglophone. Okay. Okay. It's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Very good. Well, uh, if and when you see David next, if he's got any Duchess of Seville kicking around somewhere in a stash, I uh, let me know. Be great. I will. Okay. Thanks again. Thanks everyone for joining us this week on Marketing News, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded at the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editor, Travis Jeffers. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.